these sorts of retail branded events are becoming more and more important to marketing strategies, whether that's a retailer creating their own or working with a partner like Amazon or Rakuten, because these opportunities engender loyalty. That's what we're keeps coming back to, this quest for loyalty, because they're able to create more touch points with their consumers rather than just waiting for the big holiday retail calendar events. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. We've all seen the headlines. Between supply chain constraints to inflation to volatile customer sentiment, it is getting really hard for marketers to win and retain customers. In fact, there have been several studies focused on the new loyalty landscape and how consumers are not just more willing to try new brands and retailers, but are also more likely to stick with those new brands and retailers in the future. How can marketers keep up? Julie Van Ullen, Managing Director of Rakuten Rewards, believes that marketing and advertising teams need to take a full funnel and holistic approach to marketing. That means not just focusing on getting that first win or that first purchase, but gradually nurturing consumers, creating personalized experiences, offers, and rewards that keep them coming back for more. Now, Julie has a fascinating background. Even though she's with Rakuten now, she has a rich history in the ad tech space. So needless to say, she has a lot to say right now around the shifts in data use and data privacy, how marketers can use data more meaningfully to drive value for the business, and even how brands and retailers should be rethinking their marketing calendars, their overarching strategies, and even their metrics to keep pace with all of these new factors at play. Although this conversation is definitely relevant for folks in brand, marketing, and advertising, I honestly think everyone in the company can get some value out of it because there is some rich insight into how your consumer is thinking about your brand right now. Julie, thanks so much for being on the show. It is great to meet you. Same, Alicia. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Excellent. So you are Managing Director of Rakuten Rewards. To kick off our conversation, why don't you share a little bit about your history, how you got into this role, and most of all, what your responsibilities and measures of success look like? Sure. So my role, if you think about Rakuten, it's a two-sided marketplace where consumers shop, and where advertisers, retailers, brands are able to advertise their goods. So we have these two equally important sides of our marketplace, and my role is fundamentally focused on the retailers and the brands. So any partnership that we have with retailers and brands in order to help them advertise, sell, align to strategic marketing metrics on our platform is really the world that I live in. But of course, because our platform is two sides of the same coin, I'm also obviously always concerned with the importance of a great consumer experience. And that kind of leads to my background, which is that I spent the better part of 
20 years in the marketing, MarTech and ad tech space, largely in display. And I think one of the things that was so exciting about taking this role at Rakuten is that I'm sure you and everyone is aware of the current trajectory toward regulation and data usage and controls in the advertising ecosystem. And I think a lot of that was created by, unfortunately, a mismanagement of the consumer experience through display advertising, social advertising, um, where that shoe is following you around the internet. And I think with regard to Rakuten and the loyalty and reward space, it's truly this moment to get it right. It's a win-win-win where consumers are getting what they want. Brands and retailers are able to hit their objectives and a platform like us is, is really able to thrive as well and do so in a way where data usage and targeting and personalization is really delivering value. So that is why I made that big leap from a previous career really focused on kind of publisher side ad tech to this amazing marketplace and thrilled to be here. Very interesting. It definitely aligns, I think, with a lot of the conversations we've been having with marketers, with brand leads, like they're really trying to get to the heart of what matters to the consumer and create those experiences that not only resonate with them, like get them there, get them to stay, but actually drive meaningful action and interaction with the brand. So to that end, because Rakuten is, is kind of this connecting point and this meaningful platform for the brands to connect with consumers and retailers to connect with consumers, I'm curious what you're seeing in the way of consumer engagement and consumer behaviors right now, because we're hearing so much about price consciousness and concerns about inflation and how that may impact not just purchasing behavior, but possible loyalty. So what are you seeing in that regard? Yeah, it's a good question. And you would think that inflation would deter consumers from spending, but that's simply not what we're seeing. If we look at, and we just really look at the marketplace as a whole, January and February were big spending months for consumers. March kind of dialed things back a bit, but normally in retail, Q1 is a little bit funky and March isn't the most exciting month anyway. And then things surged right back up in April. So I think if we think about what might be happening, there is a subset of people that saved a ton of money during the pandemic. So we have one class of people who's, you know, kind of like, for lack of a better term, the rich stay rich or have gotten richer and have had a lot of money to spend. And then there's the rest of us who I think have an incredible pent up desire and pent up demand to shop. We like, we, in a fun way, refer to that at Rakuten as revenge shopping, because for so long, we weren't able to wear or purchase or use the things that we love so much. And I think that that's really what's driving this continued desire to shop. And the question then becomes is how sustainable is that? And while I certainly don't have a crystal ball, I think that as inflation continues to surge, we don't see any signs of shopping slowing. But I think what might be likely to happen is that consumers might start to tear down their spending in order to be able to continue shopping without feeling a lot of the impacts of inflation. So 
think somebody who shopped at Macy's might begin shopping at Kohl's, which becomes a really interesting equation. And really, everyone can be a beneficiary of that great trade down, so to speak, if you have the right tactics in place to attract those potentially new shoppers to your brand. And loyalty is just, I mean, it's the name of the game and hope to talk a lot more about that with you today, but it's changed so much over the last few years and it's largely up for grabs, no matter how you cut it. So I think that these opportunities for brands to find consumers that perhaps haven't shopped them before, or just the myriad consumers in market who are looking outside of their standard brands and retailers uh, creates an amazing opportunity. Lots of really great points there. So to that end, if we were to look at this through the lens of the brands and the retailers that are partners of yours or, or working with Rakuten, what are they prioritizing in terms of their business, their concerns, their challenges? Is it more so adapting to those possibly short-term switches that consumers are making and and drawing them back in? Or is it more through the lens of like that long-term loyalty that you were discussing? Because I feel like loyalty has, has been such a hot topic for many years, but more so over the past year because there are so many different shifts happening and the context or the dynamics around what drives loyalty is very different. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the struggle is real for retailers to maintain loyalty, and it has been for a while, largely, I think, driven on behalf of all of these new behaviors. I mean, there isn't one person I'm sure listening today sitting out there who hasn't bought different, entirely different sorts of brands and things during the pandemic and coming out of it simply because our behaviors have changed. But the other thing that has really driven and perhaps even I don't know, trained the marketplace is that supply chain issues have made it such that perhaps the retailer that you may have shopped for your yoga pants simply doesn't have them in stock or can't get them to you within a convenient time frame, which has effectively forced people to go out and try new brands. So we've kind of trained the marketplace to try new things. And the stat that always stands out to me is the McKinsey statistic that they released a couple of months ago that 90% of consumers who changed brands during the pandemic continue to try new brands. So even though perhaps we're not undergoing the same level of change in our day-to-day behaviors, we've almost been trained to try new things and look for new things. And then I think the supply chain issues and surcharges continue to plague retailers. So in addition to inflation, there are supply chain staffing issues that are forcing retailers to really raise their prices in order to maintain margins, which you can kind of starkly see in a lot of the recent earnings statements that came out from the large marketplaces. It's not that their sales are lower, it's that their margins have taken a significant hit. So they're struggling to fulfill orders, and when they do, they're paying significantly more to do so. And the likelihood is that eventually needs to be passed on to the consumer for these brands, retailers, marketplaces to remain healthy. And then you find that juxtaposed against inflation, a potential recession where you have a deal-seeking consumer. So this is a real 
conundrum, uh, a real juxtaposed moment where you have brands and retailers who who are suffering with margin and deal-seeking consumers. So this is an interesting moment where in order to find new ways to earn and retain loyalty in this environment where discounting is challenging is a really interesting moment for folks like us in the reward space, because being able to give cash back on something is an incentive. It's a reward. It's not a discount that hits a brand or retailer's margin. So we have a lot of conversations going on right now with regard to how do we help brands get through this moment and charge reg price while using cash back as a lever to create incentive. Yeah, it's definitely quite a combination of issues that um, retailers and brands really need to think about. And I'm sure there are times where the folks listening may feel like they're getting conflicting information or they may feel in their gut they may need to do something, but all of the other factors that they're hearing from the outside world may have them questioning their decisions or their priorities. I'm really glad you brought up that conflict between the deal-seeking consumer and the reality that you really need to keep those margins in check, right? It's it's an age-old concern. I mean, for years, we were talking about how Amazon, for instance, would impact pricing strategies and promotion strategies and that race to the bottom that so many brands and retailers feel like they need to keep up with, but they should avoid, right? Because then it's just you're you're zeroing in on on price alone, which doesn't really lead to that loyalty that we're discussing. So to the end, you brought up promotions. So I mean, how are retailers and brands thinking about their pricing and promotion strategies right now, given all of these different factors that are at play? Are they kind of not quite sure what to do? Do they feel like they want to go in one direction, but are looking to folks like you to gut check them? I mean, what are they thinking about right now? I think the majority of the retailers and brands with whom I I talk with regularly are just thinking about how they can strike a balance, meaning pricing and promotions, they're crucial to retailers' success, but it's not affordable in all arenas. So things like getting creative with how they price and promote existing inventory or backlog inventory versus new in-demand items, and perhaps how you even work with your promotional partners like Rakuten to do that. Perhaps you can be slightly more discount driven on that existing inventory, and then you use cash back as a lever to to try to sell reg price for in-demand items. I think there's also this very burgeoning usage of rewards and loyalty platforms like Rakuten to not have a one-size-fits-all approach, but rather be more intuitive in terms of what consumers actually need more of a discount or need more of an incentive to buy. And those things start to tie to a marketer's own strategic objectives around attracting new to file or re-engaging lapsed shoppers who say haven't bought with their brand since before the pandemic, rather than perhaps folks who are super loyal right now. But that doesn't mean that those should be taken for granted either. But to think of these different tactics in different ways that will impact economically how a brand is able to advertise to different sorts of consumers in a more personalized way. Got it. So is it safe to say then, like, as we think about rewards and the role that 
they could possibly play in effectively engaging those different audiences based on their level of engagement? Like, should rewards be integrated into this like core marketing and promotional strategy mix? I, I guess I'm just trying to gauge how our listeners should be thinking about all these different factors and, and if and how they can align around a, a more holistic strategy that encompasses all of this. I mean, 100%. Rewards should always be a part of an overarching marketing strategy. I think that a lot of that confusion probably resides in the fact that rewards, loyalty, like the affiliate capabilities of yesteryear used to be thought of as a top line revenue driver. It was just thought of this like blunt instrument to titrate up and down, depending on whether you needed sales or don't need sales, because everybody got, let's say, the same cash back rate. But that is not the loyalty mechanism, the rewards mechanism of today. We've been focused for the last couple of years on enabling first-party data personalization and targeting tactics that allow a brand to directly tie their reward strategies to their new-to-file strategy, to their re-engagement strategy, to their loyalty, to their conquesting, to their discovery and brand building even. And that's really, I think, a super interesting part of what we do because it's largely protected from a lot of the concerns that the rest of the marketplace has around usage of third-party data for augmentation or third-party cookies because none of that is relevant in our sphere. It's really about what does Rakuten know about a shopper? Who do we know is in market for what at this very moment? And how do we then marry that with an advertiser's own first-party data? to not only create an awesome experience for shoppers and give them what they're interested in, but also tie again to those strategic marketing metrics. A great thing, for instance, that we've seen recently is we do run new to file or acquisition campaigns for our advertisers. And a recent apparel advertiser that ran a campaign with us They saw great results, lots of new shoppers who had never shopped their brand before, which they were super happy about. But the interesting stat to me was that 40% of the consumers who converted during that time were people who had actually been to the site before, like looky-loos who had browsed the site but never bought anything before. But because in this instance, they used a slightly higher than normal cash back rate to entice that shopper, they were able to get that conversion. And 40% is a huge number of an overarching acquisition campaign to basically be converting shoppers who were otherwise not shopping and who were just looky-loos. So I think this is why rewards and loyalty has now become inextricably linked with uh, marketers' own strategies, because they're effectively able to deliver whatever metrics they're looking for in any other channel. Definitely some great points. I know acquisition is a big hot topic right now. Brands and retailers are thinking about what approach makes sense for them, which ones will have the greatest return, right? And greatest impact because there are certain channels like the cost per acquisition is insane. And, you know, it kind of brings me to a follow-up point around like these new pipelines that can be used for acquisition, you know, bringing people into the brand and hopefully making another purchase in in the future. And that's 
that's branded retail events or branded shopping events. And, you know, they've always kind of existed, right? Like anniversary sales, holiday sales for certain brands and retailers are on certain dates. But now we're seeing things like Prime Day, like 1010 Festival, Walmart Plus just had one. I think it was like Walmart Plus Weekend. And I think Rakuten has had a similar event, right? Like certain days where there are higher levels of savings or cash back in this particular case. So I guess my question for you is, how do these events kind of tie into this holistic strategy that we're talking about right now? Is this something that every brand and retailer should maybe consider or implement on their own, you know, create those like powerful branding moments for acquisition? Or is this just like a case by case basis sort of thing? I mean, I think the bottom line to your question is that these sorts of retail branded events are becoming more and more important to marketing strategies, whether that's a retailer creating their own or working with a partner like Amazon or Rakuten, because these opportunities engender loyalty. That's what we're keeps coming back to, this quest for loyalty, because they're able to create more touch points with their consumers rather than just waiting for the big holiday retail calendar events, right? And that's not to say that consumers will ever stop spending against the holiday calendar, back to school, holiday, Mother's Day. These are times where consumers save up. They know that they're going to have steep discounts and big rewarded incentives during that time. So those aren't going away by any means, but these retail branded events have really created an opportunity to essentially elongate the calendar and create more touch points for loyalty. And they perform like Prime Day and all of, of course, Prime Day, when we talk about performance on Prime Day last year, we talk about not just purchases on Amazon, but all of the ancillary activity that that drives. So it's not just about what Amazon is doing. It's about uplifting the entire retail landscape. And Prime Day and its ancillary shopping last year usurped any one cyber holiday shopping day, which is fascinating. And then Rakuten did our, you alluded to this, Rakuten did our retail event. We do an annual event called the Big Give Week. And its purpose is really to give to our shoppers the best discounts annually outside of holiday. And that just concluded in May. We had 691 merchants, and this is for eight full days that they were at 15% cash back. So that's a lot of breadth and depth of opportunity for shopping and incentives that are that high drive a lot of excitement. And the brands in totality who participated in that event saw 113% sales lift over those who didn't. So the demand is there. And we're essentially just creating more touch points and more opportunity to engage shoppers and build loyalty throughout the year. Excellent. So you made reference to the marketing calendar. And we've been hearing so much about how the holiday season in and of itself is is kind of being redefined, it's elongating, you know, as we think about like that critical Q4 period, right? And I'm sure the emergence of all of these calendars and marketing shopping events are causing consumers as well to kind of rethink all of this, right? Like it's not 
shopping is not just like confined to this particular period of time. So do you think that we'll see more of these branded events emerge in the future and that the traditional marketing calendar is going to be completely rethought and expanded and most of all tailored to these individual brands and retailers versus like everybody kind of working around this one core calendar of events and holidays and everybody's kind of competing? Like, I'm curious what you think about how that marketing calendar or go-to-market approach is going to be changing with all of these events popping up? I mean, from what we see, it's really just augmenting. It's not going away. We're going to still see those traditional marketing events, that traditional marketing calendar own a significant part of the space. It's really, from what we see, just an augmentation. And folks like Amazon, Rakuten, as big marketplaces are doing it, but retailers themselves are creating these events. Folks like think like Nordstrom's anniversary sale, for example. And there are so many examples of this that from a retailer standpoint, not only is it a lever to spread sales across the year, which is super smart, so we're not so so solely invested in the concentration of sales around the holidays. It, it makes for more comfortable cash flows, but it's an opportunity for you to, again, engender loyalty for your shoppers and for your loyalists and advocates, give them something special a couple of times through the year. Got it. We have talked about it so much, Julie, I feel like in our uh, what 20 or so minutes together on the line. So I want to think about how to distill all of these trends, all of these factors into some core takeaways and core best practices for our audience. I'm sure a lot of folks on the line right now are marketers or brand leads. So they probably want to know like what the new keys to success are, especially as we think about acquisition, standing out in the space, and creating an experience that's meaningful enough to not just get that immediate purchase, but get people to come back in the future. So are there any core best practices or things that brands and marketers should be thinking about right now? And I'm sure you probably have your own experiences with Rakuten, but also your experience in media, ad tech, and that space as well. I mean, what do you think are really crucial right now to success right now. Yeah, there are a bunch of interesting dynamics that create for a lot of awesome opportunities in my mind. But there are, no matter what part of the industry you live in, we're always kind of held back by our past or ways that we're not evolving fast enough. And I think one of those things is that marketers really need to invest in strategies that align with their specific marketing goals, but it all needs to be in the service of long-term value. I think for so long, we've bifurcated, trifurcated, whatever other word I can make up. We have created these unique silos of acquisition, re-engagement, loyalty, and these things need to be working together because fundamentally, Another thing that we see happening, all of us right now that sits outside of the loyalty space is the inefficiencies and challenges that exist within the social and programmatic space. It's gotten really expensive. So you're getting about half of the outcome for the same amount of spend. And that's also an arena that is fraught with challenges from an upcoming and continued regulatory, data regulatory standpoint. But even if it weren't, One of the things that always fascinates me is how much 
how many marketing dollars go to acquisition on these platforms and the CPAs that we're willing to spend with then not worrying about what happens to that customer after that moment. And to me, what a waste of money if we're able to get a single purchase from someone. I don't care what the AOV on that purchase is. It's just a waste. So I think as marketers, we need to be focused on full funnel marketing strategies that drive toward long-term metrics like lifetime value, or even if we want to think about it from a cost standpoint, lifetime ROAS. And that requires a linkage of BI and analytics across all of those marketing mechanisms and teams, which in many cases are split apart. I think another thing is marketers are going to need to find a way to create value without discounting. We talked about this earlier. Rakuten and Cashback is a great example of that, but we're going to have to get creative in terms of how do we how do we sell reg price? How do we find margin as we continue down supply chain issues? Certainly, kind of back to the targeting bit, I think we need to do a better job of creating omni-channel shoppers. Now that people are going back in store, what are some levers that we can use to create that ever valuable shopper who shops online and in store? Cashback is a great way to do that, but there are lots of other ways to do that as well. Things like buy online, pick up in store is a great segue into that. So for us, we often encourage brands to have a higher cashback rate for buy online, pick up in store, largely because they have lower costs associated with not having to ship and so forth. So they can afford that out of the margin, but that's driving folks to the store, which is ever coveted. And then I guess the last couple of points I would make is brands, so not retailers, but brands like Nike, for instance, have been really leaning heavily into the reward space to support direct-to-consumer efforts. So if we kind of go back to how can you save money, how can you save margin, being able to create a larger presence of your own direct-to-consumer site is an awesome way to do that. And brands are thinking about how can they invest, obviously not divest of their retailer relationships, but create additional opportunity for their own direct-to-consumer efforts. And then we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, but this trade down is real. People are going to start buying from brands and products that they didn't in the past And when that happens, brands should be ready. So marketers should be thinking about what sorts of partners do they have in the space who have access to a treasure trove of first-party data that can say, let them not conquest a brand, like Rakuten would never allow for that, but something like understanding in-market intent, behaviors on site, and who are the shoppers who are most likely to trade down to their brand who have never bought from them before. These are really useful. And again, back to my past, this isn't targeting for the sake of targeting. This is targeting to deliver value to a shopper that they want and need or going to have a great experience through. A lot of really great points there. And I, I appreciate that you brought up, you know, looking at this all through a full funnel lens. I feel like because everybody's concerned about acquisition that, 
a lot of emphasis isn't really placed on retention, or maybe some companies are so focused on retention that they lose sight of bringing you know new new customers into the pipeline. So it really needs to be looked at through a more holistic view. So to that end, I mean, any final pointers or considerations for listeners right now that want to drive that loyalty, want to, you know, hit those metrics that you referred to, and also want to re- embrace some some of the things that we talked about today, like rewards and sales events. Like how should they be thinking about these elements through a lens of loyalty? Like are there different considerations or different things that they should be thinking about? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is that Loyalty is king right now. You got to build it, you have to retain it, and then you have to continue to earn it. I gave you that example earlier of how I kind of wonder always how valuable acquisition on other channels like social are long term. But even on our own, given we have, so we have this amazing capability called personalized rewards, which is that mechanism that allows for using cash back as a lever to drive a result. So giving higher cash back for somebody to buy from your store who has never before or to earn back a shopper who had lapsed and so forth. And I think we've seen a number of brands decide to put all their eggs in, say, an acquisition basket. So they're going to give a ton of cash back to people who have never shopped their store before. And then everybody else, including the second purchase of that person, goes down to this kind of bottom of the barrel incentive. And if you track what happens with somebody like that versus someone who strategically invests in acquisition, strategically invests in re-earning lapsed, but also uses retail events, promotions, holiday calendar events, their own promotions to align with a partner like Rakuten to bring up cash back and create and create incentives for their loyal shoppers every single time you see that brand win. In fact, we have a case study that we love to reference of one brand who invested solely in the acquisition and another who did more of this kind of dynamic usage of cash back throughout the loyalty life cycle of a shopper. And you can see from the one who only invested in acquisition, four months, a mere four months after they acquired the vast majority of their shoppers, those shoppers started shopping their competitive brand. And it's completely because that competitive brand is focused on continuing to earn the loyalty of their shoppers. Now, that can't be an always-on deal, right? Nobody has the margins for that. But things like retail events that we've been talking about, the rest of the promotional calendar, and using that as an opportunity to spike cash back and create incentives for your loyalists is absolutely key and well worth the spend long term when we look at lifetime value and lifetime ROAS. We talked about inflation being a possible recession, maybe will further that conundrum of how you find a way to build your brand and create loyal customers without suffering margin constraint. So definitely rewards like cashback offer a retailer to sell reg price. And I encourage all retailers, brands, marketers to be out there thinking about other ways that they can do that because you don't want to divest in your marketing. You want to find a way to sell reg price where reg price makes sense. And then I guess finally is just this narrative around the win, win, win that we've been talking about the whole time is that 
we need to focus on marketing channels that will allow for us to create a great consumer experience. I don't want us to go backwards. I love the fact that data regulation has actually forced us to put the consumer first. And I think if we always think about consumer first and what those consumers want, we all win. Uh, And that's just an overarching statement of the entirety of the digital advertising ecosphere. 100% agree. And Julia, you have presented so many great points, so many great takeaways. I think we gave our audience enough to think about and possibly implement within their companies. But is there anything that we missed? Any closing thoughts or recommendations as our listeners try to navigate all of these different, not just consumer dynamics, but market dynamics as well, whether that be inflation, you know, shifts in data privacy and how marketing organizations can use data more thoughtfully. I mean, again, I feel like we talked about so much, but anything, any holes or any final takeaways that you want to make sure we uh, present? Just stay educated and stay ahead of the curve. So like I sit on the board of the IAB and Places like that are great treasure troves of of information for you to understand what's happening with the data and privacy landscape and never lag behind and always be able to pivot quickly. That's the name of the game and has been for a while now. A hundred percent. Well, Julie, thank you again so much for taking the time out and for sharing such detail. Again, I feel like sometimes it's difficult for our audience to really dig into the issues that are the priority right now because there is so much happening. So I think you broke it down fantastically, I I think, for our audience. Thank you again so much for taking the time out. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Alicia. And to all of you, hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you have any follow-up questions for Julie around anything marketing-related, advertising, or even how to use events, rewards, and tap into those loyalty opportunities, drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. We'll be sure to keep the conversation going. And of course, if you like this conversation and the series as a whole, definitely leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else we are likely there. And be sure to subscribe. Every week we'll have a new conversation with a retail expert or practitioner, and we'll be digging into the latest trends and technologies. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.